0: does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: What up, fam? Are they on? Because it says live, right? It says live. Yeah! Y'all know this guy. This is my brother-in-law. Come on, come on, come on in. Before we talk, come on in. I want to see some more live viewers than zero. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff today. We got three, three people. Okay. Yeah, 10. It's the day before Thanksgiving. It is, it is. They're already eating um, the murdered bird. (laughs) Makes me want to go vegan Thanksgiving with all the carnage. 21, come on, come on. We're not going to start talking until y'all, look at that. There we are. Let's show us, uh, we're looking on the main computer here too. Let's open that up. There it goes, turn that off so we don't get feedback. Now I can read comments there. Hi, Chloe, hi, Christy, hi, Jen, hi, Lisa, hi, Lynn. Look at, they're all here, man. Awesome. Everybody's here, let's do this. Dr. James Riddle, uh, clinical professor of infectious diseases at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, uh, or Ann Izzle, as I like to call it, nobody calls it that, Um, is here visiting for Thanksgiving with the family. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled him into the Z office and I said, I'm gonna force you to do what I force (laughs) you to do every time, which is talk about stuff you're really knowledgeable about, which is infectious diseases. And we were talking earlier, and he's like, "I was like, well, you want to talk about shingles? You want to talk about varicella? Because these are the things I care about. I'm like, vaccines. He's like, yeah, 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 that's all fine and dandy. How about endocarditis and IV drug use? Why were you interested in this?"
0: Man? Yeah, so it's been a problem in our institution um, for a while. We we noticed that uh, our patients with endocarditis, uh, the mortality was a lot higher than what we would expect when we looked back. And so we, one of our fellows, actually um, Samuel Dalati. Formed a working group uh, to try to take better care of our patients.
1: So working groups sound dumb to me. Like it sounds like something that like some administrator would be like, well, we're just going to go ahead and form a working group on healthcare violence, and nothing will happen. What,
0: what is a working group? Yeah. So how this works is uh, once a week for an hour, we have a group of people that includes infectious diseases specialists, um, cardiothoracic surgeons, uh, cardiologists, neurologists, um, an addiction specialist, and we all get in a room and we discuss these complicated cases of endocarditis, figure out how to take care of them
1: best. Well, so this is where it got my interest. When you said addiction specialist, Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're talking about endocarditis. And then I remembered, you know, in the 90s when I was training at San Francisco General, most of our endocarditis was intravenous drug abusers who ended up introducing bacteria into their bloodstream, infecting their valve and nearly dying or dying or being cured only to go back out Right. and re-inject, re-misuse, and sometimes with a central line. Mm-hmm. So how, let's back up for a second. How How is it that that happens? What's yeah, the
0: so uh, there can be contamination anywhere along the process of, of intravenous drug use. So that could go anywhere from the manufacturing of the product itself. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about heroin, for example, the product can be contaminated. Um, but more often, it's in the administration part, in preparation of the product when it's injected. And so a lot of times people mix it with tap water, Mm -hmm. um, which is contaminated with bacteria. Um, uh, From there, uh, often it's filtered uh, through cotton. Um, Cotton, I always used to think of it as sort of this sterile product, but it's not. It's a natural substance. It's a comes from a plant, (laughs) Mm. and it's contaminated. And so, for example, um, aspergillus spores uh, can be uh, on cotton. And then when you, of course, inject those into the bloodstream, that causes problems. You can see endophthalmitis, uh, even rarely endocarditis related to that. Do
1: you get a lot so what kind of organisms do you say? You mentioned aspergillus. Do you get a lot of sort of anaerobes and different things like um, that, so, spit related stuff?
0: Yeah, so it's a lot of, uh, it, it depends on the contamination. So aspergillus, I bring it up, Uh, mostly because I'd seen a few cases that that's actually pretty rare. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's it's Uh, By
1: by the way, you gotta speak up a little. People are like, give him your mic. (laughs) You see, not everyone's an extrovert (laughs) like me. Some people are actually smart and Uh, soft-spoken. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Anyway, aspergillus is rare. Uh, The the more uh, likely organisms would be actually oral uh, Mm, bugs mm, mm, because a lot of times people will lick the needle- That's what I remember, uh, yeah. When they inject, and so Mm. a lot of oral um, uh, bugs we see, water bugs like Pseudomonas. Um, see, um, and uh, really anything that's on the skin. And so Staph aureus, another real common uh, organism. So anywhere along the way, you can have contamination.
1: Right. And which valve is preferentially affected when you're intravenous drug
0: injecting? Yeah, good question. So um, what happens uh, when, and part of the reason why you might ask, well, why would you filter You know, the product? Well, there can be little particulates um, that are in the product that's injected. Hmm. And Even though you filter it, they don't all get filtered out, obviously. And so what can happen is those little particulates will damage the right side of the heart. So Mm. we're talking about the tricuspid valve Mm. uh, most often. Mm -hmm. And so often what you'll see is damage to the tricuspid valve done by the particulates. And then once you introduce bacteria, it will latch on to that damaged heart valve so right-sided endocarditis is what we got most often and
1: that and that makes sense because you're injecting in a vein the vein is feeding into the right side of the heart right atrium tricuspid right ventricle right and so and it's a it's a uh, this is a sort of when when we were medical students that was the first thing they pimped us on is okay right-sided endocarditis guy lives in the mission this and that's going on what do you think it is and if you didn't say there was an intravenous drug Question that you asked, then you were you were hazed <laughs> and humiliated, which was our way at UCSF. So, so you get right-sided endocarditis; these different bugs you're talking about. Um, how do you start the diagnosis process? Like yeah. when, when you're called, yeah, you know?
0: right. And so, if we suspect a case, it's uh, blood cultures are the key. Um, so you get several sets of blood cultures, and you know when you're thinking about endocarditis, it's very important to obtain those blood cultures before you start antibiotics.
1: Yeah, listen up, ER. <laughs> how many times is like, well, we went ahead and started some empiric vancomycin, and then we. But went ahead and drew the cultures. Infectious
0: like, diseases, doctors hate that. They hate that, yeah. <laughs> um, because we wanna know what the organism is so that we can pick the right antibiotic. Um, so drawing three sets of, of uh, blood cultures before antibiotics are started, if you're suspecting um, endocarditis, is, is very important.
1: Right, and we gotta remember, like sometimes blood cultures are harder to do than you think. I was just at an organization where they kind of let go all their phlebotomists to save money. Wow. And so who was drawing the blood cultures in the emergency department, the, the, the ER nurses? Oof. And it was brutal because you'd have a ton, and then you have all these algorithms, like, oh, you gotta get cultures first, then do the antibiotics, right, and right. Then if we don't do it within so many hours in a pneumonia, then you fail a core measure, right, and right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right, right, right. again, staffing matters, and yep. process matters. So okay, so you get your blood cultures, and then you find out, okay, the guy's got maybe a fever, what are some other symptoms that you Yeah,
0: so fever, um, evidence of emboli, so you can, if, there, if there's uh, bacteria on the right, side of the heart you can see septic emboli going to the lungs and so you might see lung nodules and a chest x-ray it might look actually like pneumonia mm. so it's, it's interesting you break in pneumonia because sometimes it can look for all the world like pneumonia but it's actually endocarditis yeah yeah, so you have yeah. To be really um, you know thoughtful and I think that's why it's also important to get that history of IV drug use because mm. people often don't ask that question
1: yeah people especially medical students in particular right. they're scared to ask or they just don't see the relevance right. and then somebody with a pneumonia they have fevers there's other stuff Stuff. It's maybe it's a little bit subacute. And you're like, what? It's just a pneumonia. You nah. could potentially miss it. And yeah. not only that, but then you treat the pneumonia. Maybe you suppress some of the symptoms for a while. They go home, come back with a ring abscess or some kind. Com- right. What are the complications of untreated endocarditis?
0: Yeah. So um, if it's on the right side, again, lung abscess, you know, would be a complication. On the left side of the heart, which you can also get with IV drug use. So we're talking with the aortic valve the mitral valve. That's the most dangerous kind because then you can have emboli, you know, little pieces of the uh, of the vegetation that forms in the heart valve, it can flip off into the arterial system. So we're talking about strokes um, that could embolize any organ in the body. And that's how, when you talk about diagnoses, you can often see peripheral emboli, like in the hands and feet, mm-hmm. um, little spider, a little uh, uh, the splinter, splinter hemorrhages, hemorrhages yeah. Janeway, Janeway, Janeway lesions, lesions yeah. Osler nodes. Yeah. Ah, right, you learn about medical school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and never see seen some of those. in real life. Yeah. Uh, although uh, some of those actually are immunological phenomenon. Interesting. <laughs> that's right. They're not the emboli itself. It's right. the re- immune response exactly. to this infection. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things, but the most feared complications are stroke, uh, yeah. because that can be you know permanent. Yeah. And yeah. Particularly a hemorrhagic stroke, because then that plays into the difficulties you have with when you're talking about treatment.
1: Right, right. Now, now, one of the things, so we were talking about earlier, endocarditis is fascinating. You can get it from other things. I mean, dental work, mm-hmm. uh, uh, poor dentition with stuff. Uh, other, what are some other random causes of endocarditis?
0: Um, yeah, so anything that causes bacteremia, really. Right, and bacteria in the blood. Particularly mm-hmm. with an organism that likes to stick to heart valves. And so um, what are those organisms? Staph aureus. And so if you have staph aureus bacteremia, it could be from hospitals, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a contaminated central venous gas, um with staph, for example, that could stick to the heart valve, um, or urinary tract infection, for example, with enterococcus, an- um, and you have bacteremia yeah. from that. So there's lots of different things. Well, uh, if,
1: you, uh, having a damaged valve is a risk as yes, well. Yes,
0: that's right. Damaged valve, um, congenital valve abnormality, so bicuspid, bicuspid aortic, um, aortic valve. Aortic valve. Yeah. Yep, that's a, that's a big one. Mm. But as we get older... Are we getting older? No,
1: we're young. Look <laughs> at me. No wrinkles, brother. <laughs> as one gets older,
0: <laughs> uh, the you can get sclerosis of the heart valve. And so that you know puts you at risk as well.
1: Got it, got it. Now, we started talking about intravenous drug use because, again, when I was a student, and I didn't see it as much as Stanford because we didn't have as much... Uh, than we had at our, say, our county hospital, Santa Clara Valley, where we did see it. But I'd never seen as much as I had in San Francisco General in the 90s. Now, but what happened with you was a different pattern. Mm -hmm. So you weren't seeing a lot of that.
0: No, so University of Michigan, I've I've been there for almost 20 years now, and we didn't see a whole lot of of intravenous drug use early on. But here recently, and really I'm talking just the last few years, we've seen a lot more people coming in with complications related to intravenous drug use. Mm um and endocarditis as we've been discussing is a big one and mm-hmm. so that creates all kinds of difficult management issues
1: so i remember and this is where this transition in the discussion here i remember as a student i wasn't i was a sub-eye and at san francisco mm-hmm. general as a sub I, they let us do everything we could write orders we could you know they treat us like a doctor it was one of the greatest rotations and experiences of my life because it convinced me that doing medicine particularly hospital medicine was who I was. Sure. It's your calling. It's my calling and having that, uh, the freedom and the trust to do the right thing. And it's funny, because who saved my butt when I didn't know what I was doing? It wasn't often the residents or the attending. It was the pharmacist who was like, 10 trillion units of penicillin, probably not the right dose. It was the nurses who were like, you know what? maybe when you're drawing that blood culture, cause we had to draw the blood cultures on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, AIDS patients yeah. in the middle of the night who were spiking yeah. temperatures cause they yeah. didn't have phlebotomists. So, so what I remember is we would have these um, IV drug users, they would come in with endocarditis that, you know, I remember the vividly, one of them was intubated in the unit uh, and they did a weaning trial. They started to wean him off. He woke up, self-extubated, pulled out the tube, God. had a central line, walked out of the hospital, Wow. Uh, eloped, as we say yeah. in the business. And we never heard from him again. And the chances are that he died using that central line. So. The complications of intravenous drug use are often fatal. Mm-hmm. And what you even noticed in your own organization was that you were having a very high mortality rate.
0: Yeah. And so particularly with our endocarditis cases, we were noticing a high mortality rate. So uh, again, getting back to our, our new uh, fellow, um, he looked at the data and said, hey, let's can we improve our outcomes with our endocarditis cases? Um, so what we formed was this who's, working group. Who's your fellow? So Sammy Eldolati is his name. You're famous. We made you hot, Sammy. <laughs> Kudos to Sammy. He's done a lot of really hard work on this, and it's really been great. Um, so he's formed this group, um, and what was interesting about it is Sammy said, I want to form this group. And we all looked at him and said, what? Are, you Are we allowed to do that? Can, is that possible? You know, don't we have to like get permission or something? <laughs> and Sammy's like, no, 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 we're, we're doing this, and I've scheduled it for next week. <laughs>
1: that's a go-getter man uh, okay and you're like that's not how this works that's not how any of this works
0: (laughs) and what's so awesome is that the people showed up, everybody was interested, and we've been helping take care of patients since. And that's, it's really um, actually worked great. That's
1: amazing. Um, so this multidisciplinary working group.
0: Multidisciplinary group. And so we all sit down, we think about what's best for these patients. And so one of the issues that's come up is, well, how do we help the folks with IV drug use? Mm. Um, because our, our, our cardiac surgeon, Dr. Deeb, um, he said to us, look, you know, we can fix their heart valve problem if we need to operate on them. You can treat them with antibiotics, but if the, the root problem, the intravenous drug use, if that's mm-hmm. not addressed, we're not going to heal this. But we're not going to help this person in the long run, uh, because if they you know use again, which often is the case if they're not getting help, um, then they're just back in the same situation they are now. And so, how can we you know de- address that?
1: Yeah, and, and so that's that's the thing, you're not treating the root cause. Right. The root cause is the addiction yeah. and the intravenous drug misuse. Right. And so, so this is it's a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing. You guys even had a policy, right? We'll operate on you once. Yeah. But what happens
0: if you come back? Exactly. And so yeah. this, there's a lot of institutions where the, the policy of the CT surgeon is if you're, you're, you're intravenous drugs, you develop endocarditis, they replace your heart valve, that's it. They will not operate mm-hmm. on you again in the future. Well, what happens when that person comes in? Mm. Uh, it becomes a real ethical dilemma. And actually, there's a whole sort of medical literature on this dilemma. What to do. Uh, what to do. And a lot of ethics boards, you know, get involved in these cases. And it's, it's very difficult. It's not a simple thing. So, so the, 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 the easy answer would be like, well, you heartless, you know, jerk. <laughs> you know, why aren't you operating on this person? They need, you know, they need your help. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, again, it's this hamster wheel. And, and do we and a resource are, are we, issue. Right. And yeah. are we really helping this person or are we just perpetuating yeah problem. they're
1: gonna go right back maybe with your pick line right so you're gonna discharge somebody can't you don't want to keep them in the hospital the whole time because it's expensive it's a dangerous place and get infections yet they need six to eight weeks of right. intravenous antibiotics so they have
0: maybe a pick line or a central line Wow, what do you do? Exactly. And so what we have done traditionally up until now is most of these patients, we will keep them in the hospital or mm. try to keep them in the hospital till they complete their, com- uh, their antibiotic course. And so that takes up an acute care bed for eight weeks. Uh, and it creates cases. a rock garden for six, the residents for you know, six weeks, right? And so, <laughs> no, it, nobody, it doesn't work well for anybody, right? right? The, re, the residents, the house staff don't like it. You know, the, the, the hospital doesn't like it, mm. um, and uh, the patients don't like it. I right? Mean, patient who who wants to be sitting in a hospital, and they're not getting treated for their root cause issue, right. which is which intravenous is drug, drug addiction, yeah. substance mm-hmm. addiction. So,
1: yeah. which probably began with prescription drug abuse, often you know, it does. increasingly yeah, so. Often, so in other words this is another manifestation of the opioid epidemic. Now we're seeing heroin use increasing.
0: Well, what's happening is, so in some ways, we're victims of our own success, right? So we are not prescribing opioids as mm, much as we used to. So what happens? So when I've seen this time and time again, patients will t- I'll ask, well, how did you get you know, involved with IV drugs? Well, I was taking OxyContin for mm, back pain. My doctor off. stopped prescribing it. And so I had to find something. Now I'm using heroin. Yeah. And now I have this infection related. T- so it- it's-, it's a real issue.
1: Yeah. And who who are we blaming? You know, you can moralize about it a lot, but the bottom line is, you need a you need an effective strategy, right? To manage it. So, what were you guys thinking you could do? Yeah. So, because they're going to go out with that pick line if you send them out, and they're going to inject through it.
0: There's a good chance they could. Yeah. Um, So that that's the fear. Yeah. And and it's it's just the complications are you know can very very easily occur that way. Mm. And so that's why we have not done that. Mm. Um, There are different approaches to that. You know, there are patient contracts and things like that. But traditionally, you know, we've been very nervous. Mm. (laughs) And somebody who's actively using, and so usually we keep them in the hospital. But um, again. And Sammy had come up, thought to himself, well, what if is there a better way, mm. <laughs> you know, than, than keeping somebody in acute care bed? And can we treat their addiction? And so what we're trying to get started actually in our institution is a first an inpatient addiction uh, medicine consult service, consultation mm. service. Inpatient. Mm. Inpatient. So, inpatient. so mm. the person is in the hospital, they're getting their intravenous antibiotic. Um, can you have a consultant come by, a psychiatry addiction medicine consultant, start working on? Okay, what's our plan? What's mm. our plan going to be for Suboxone or, or Methadone um, for uh, for for managing the addiction issue? But but that's only sort of the first step, right? Right, right. Because then what what happens after that? Right. So the other thing we had, we're going to propose is to set up some sort of a. Um, Uh, almost like a rehabilitation inpatient unit where folks could go to receive their intravenous antibiotic. Um, They could also receive addiction medicine services um, and continue that. And then once you've completed your antibiotic, then continue to outpatient addiction medicine
1: ah treatment. so you have them anyways and people are asking in the comments wait wait don't you can't you just give them pic uh, line as an outpatient I'm a pick nurse is what we do the problem is they're going to potentially misuse that line to inject and be right back or dead and so because it, what a temptation you're right. suffering with addiction and now you have a open access to your veins you don't have to find a vein you don't have to skin pop you can go right in right. so so what what Jamie is saying is you're there, you're going to keep them there to give them their course of antibiotics. Why not treat? start to treat their addiction with right. medical management? So aggressive addiction management by trained professionals or specialists in this, including potentially suboxone, mm-hmm. and then continue it as an outpatient. Now, my first question is where are the resources to yeah, do this?
0: That's the tough one. I, right. And so we're going to have to you know address that clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, are there state funds, you know, we're investigating that. Or is there some sort of grant, you know, mechanism we could work through? Because clearly, I think every state is dealing with this problem.
1: Right. Every single
0: one. Yeah. E- everyone. And so, you know, can we come up with some sort of a system where we can help these people um, with assistance through government funding? For example?
1: Right. 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 No, that's perfect. Now, I'm going to take a little detour for a second here yeah. because Tom Heineber, our producer, Just uh, wrote in here as a comment. He says, yo, Z, I had the baby. Spoiler alert. We need to talk about lactation consultants when I get back. LOL, these people are the worst. Sorry in advance if you're one of the good ones. Oh, first of all, (laughs) congratulations. Kennedy uh, Heineber was born at seven pounds, 14 ounces and 20 inches yesterday, Z-Pack. Let's give Tom a hand. Tom and Danielle. Uh, Danielle, a NICU nurse and Tom's wife, his vastly better half. And yes, the lactation Nazis will will torture you, Tom Heinover. They will torture you. Uh, so prepare. Part of the process. I know. This is the thing. This is how I got over it. I started lactating, <laughs> and by delivering direct man milk to the child, they, they turn, say it's healthier. It's vastly. It's all colostrum. <laughs> so okay, back to the addiction, addiction endocarditis piece. So. What is your, what's your sort of next step in making this happen? Sammy and you are going to work on this with the working group or yeah, how are you going to do it? Yeah, so
0: we already have the intercardiac working group. We've been doing this now for several months and actually we've had great outcomes um, with that. Working, tell, tell, with me that tell me about it. tell me about that. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we've actually, well, of the patients we've discussed in this group, um, the patients have gotten operated on in a timely manner. We've had great communication with the, uh, our surgical colleagues uh, and our cardiology colleagues. And we've been able to provide service much more quickly and efficiently than we used to, mm. such that we're, our mortality rate for the patients we've seen has been zero, <laughs> uh, which is you know kind of blows our mind a little bit. And that's expect, fantastic because it was higher before, it was yeah, much higher than mm-hmm. that before. Mm-hmm. And so we're already seeing improvements. Now this is only a, over a period of what we're like into ten months. Now we've been doing this for all, you know almost a year, mm. um, so we you know we're still collecting data and we're going to analyze this to compare in previous you know years uh, how, how all shakes out, but. Um, so far, it looks like it's actually really providing a great service for our patients. This
1: is great. What I love is that you're actually studying it because it's an academic facility, University right. of Michigan. And so you're saying, okay, if we're gonna do this, we better have data that it actually does anything. Exactly. Because it do- there is a cost to getting groups together to talk about stuff. Yep. There's the annoyance factor, mm-hmm. there's a the time factor, yep. there's the lost RVUs and productivity because you can't <laughs> click boxes if you're sitting in a meeting. But the truth is what we've lost with the EHR we gain back when we meet together. Yeah. So face to face with the CT surgeon, the addiction guy, the ID mm-hmm. guy, the neurologist, the internist, the hospitals all together, going, okay, well, how can we better manage uh, endocarditis, which is a multidisciplinary
0: issue? Yeah, it's multidisciplinary. It's a very complex yeah. sort of set of uh, issues you end up having to deal with. You know, it's mm-hmm. not only the medical issues, but it's also again, social issues, issues, social issues, yeah. Um, again, you get into the addiction issues.
1: And then the case manager, social worker, having them in those meetings is probably key.
0: Yes. Because they have
1: to arrange all this stuff. That's right. Yep.
0: And uh, the other thing are physician extenders. And so, you know, among the CT surgeons, there's a fantastic um, uh, physician assistant who sees all these patients. And so we're we're involving, again, the whole team
1: uh, together. And the PAs are doing a lot of that frontline work. They do. uh, Especially in the surgical side, uh, for Mm -hmm. real, like you said. Yeah 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 how about nurses are they involved in the discussion at all
0: Yeah so far we have not had nursing representatives but that's, that's a great point we should
1: They're uh, so understaffed I don't know how they have
0: time <laughs> to even attend yeah.
1: yeah 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 no got it but I think having the having the full team involved in how to manage these guys So so that's so We we talked so far about endocarditis, about how it's often right-sided in people with intravenous drug abuse, how we're seeing it increasingly in places where we hadn't seen it because people are now being sort of uh, transitioned from opioids to intravenous drug use um, involuntarily many Mm. times. uh, And the question is, how can we better treat it? How can we prevent it by improving a drug uh, abuse and addiction issues, mm-hmm. how can we manage it interdisciplinary with a component of rehab and addiction treatment, Right. preferably starting inpatient? Mm-hmm. And is your experience, you're going to find out because you don't know yet, is your experience that these patients want
0: to change? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the patients, they are crying out <laughs> yeah. for uh, addiction services of some sort. They're just, they're not available. They're very difficult to access. Um, and so that has been a real problem. So I think the patients, yes, they, they want it. They need it. They understand it's a problem. They, they need the services. Uh, and so we just need to figure out how to provide them. So And, and to me there's
1: nothing more motivating than nearly dying. That's right, yeah. Uh, You feel terrible, you're poked full of lines, and even though these are intravenous drug users, they
0: hate needles, Mm -hmm. they hate hate it when other Mm people, it's a lack of control. Especially when you've been through a huge operation, so say you need a heart valve operation. Yeah. You know, that's huge. There's a huge amount of recovery involved there. So you're right, that this is the time, you know, when if, if there was ever a time- To, to intervene. To intervene. Uh, and They're motivated. Th- th- yeah, this would be the time to do it. And this so is- How can we make that happen?
1: So what I wanna hear from you guys, ZPAC, in the comments or in private messages to me is, is your group, academic group, doing something similar? Is there something that we can learn from each other yeah. uh, in implementation as Jamie's group moves forward with this idea? and uh, his working group and the idea that we can start to treat addiction and uh, endocarditis as, as, an, as a target of opportunity now, like they're in, we can actually save their life long-term and change their life and improve this uh, terrible problem. Uh, assuming we can get, bring the resources to bear, collaborate, and improve our processes. This is the magic of academic medicine, actually. Mm. Apart from being an ivory tower of a bunch of self-righteous, <laughs> pompous a-holes.
0: We've got plenty of those. <laughs> plenty <too>. of those.
1: <laughs> other than that, it, this is the, the the fertile ground to grow these great ideas. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I want you guys to tell me is um, what you'd like me to talk about with Jamie, um, Dr. Riddle, while he's here in town for the next couple days with us in Las Vegas. Give us your topics and we'll see if we can cajole him into doing another show. <laughs> um, in the meantime, the call to action is this. Hit share, leave a comment, press the little like button because that gives Facebook the juice so that more eyes can be on what Jamie's talking about. And then if you really like what we do, become a supporter of the show. Uh, click the little button. It's 4 dollars a month. I didn't, I don't think I told you about this. 4 dollars a month, these guys can subscribe and then we do private talks. But more importantly, we take their resources and we grow the show. We grow the movement. And we buy a little Kennedy, Tom Heineber's new baby, um, a Benz. Because she needs a <laughs> little Benz, a little Mercedes. Uh, all right, guys. Let's congratulate Tom. Let's thank Dr. Riddle and have a great and safe Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you're not working. Don't eat romaine
0: lettuce. What? Okay,
1: okay. Hit me with that real quick. So the CDC comes out, I put a meme up today, which basically said, why is it that when the CDC says, don't eat romaine, everyone's like, hey man, you're right. And then they say, but you should get vaccinated. And they're like, those guys are
0: Illuminati. Like it's a double standard. So what, what, what's the base? Do you know what's going on? It's E. coli contamination. E. coli. And what's interesting about this recall is that it seems like they're recalling all romaine yeah, lettuce. Yeah, they're just like, they're, And I think it, it has to do with the fact that they weren't able to identify exactly which batches it was or where it was coming from. It's a multi-state outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a little little scary. It's a little scary yeah. and, and it's a little depressing
1: for the romaine lettuce industry. Yeah, no kidding. Because you're like, you're throwing out, these guys are probably really good and then there's one guy who used contaminated canal water or something or night soil <laughs> it's like throwing feces at their E. coli, at their, at their E. coli, at their E. coli <laughs> delivery vehicle, aka romaine main lettuce and now they're you know, throwing everything out. So, all right, well, we'll talk more about that as <laughs> as details emerge. And you know what's funny is we had just bought a thing on romaine because your wife had a cool recipe. Uh-huh. So Margaret and I came back from the store with all this romaine. We started
0: eating it raw. Right raw, out, out of,
1: of the box. box and yeah. um, then she pulls up like Apple news and she's like, what?
0: And all this romaine.
1: But anyways, you know, these are first world problems, people. In the third world, we just eat the E. coli, become immune to it and suck it the hell up.
0: Feed the microbiome. Feed it.
1: And we out. Peace. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.